This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. One decision you can make, sign up for one of our free newsletters at clark.com slash newsletters. They are free, but they're full of money-saving advice that can help you so much in your daily life to meet your financial goals. Team at clark.com and clarkdeals.com, we all follow one principle, and that is to give you information that you can trust at a time that trust is something that we don't have a lot of in American society. I can tell you in our head and our heart, that's what we give you every day. So speaking of trust, Airbnb has been such a great thing in some ways and such a difficult organization in others. And one thing they've had trouble with is having uh, property owners that may not be on the up and up, having uh, renters who aren't necessarily on the up and up. So Airbnb is doing background checking on people using one of these uh, horseshoes is close enough background check companies that will make a fair number of mistakes, apparently. The thing you need to know is that a lot of people are being banned from Airbnb who don't deserve it. We're going to talk about that. And later, if you were one of the thousands and thousands of people affected by air travel mishaps over the holidays, I was too. And I want to tell you what I experienced and what we all have to be aware of when there are circumstances that are truly out of our control. There's been complaints about the Airbnb system. I saw an article in USA Today how messed up the Airbnb background checking system has been. The background check stuff is really fouled up. Uh, One of my daughter's recently had to be backgrounded for something it came up that she had a criminal record and lived in another state she lives in california came up she lived in another state and that she had committed a i forget what kind of felony it was then my wife years ago in a background check came up as a man not a woman and she was now a he and she was or he was incarcerated currently at that time for an attempted murder in the state of Florida. What's funny is that when companies run background checks, they really don't seem to care if what they pull is accurate or not. They're just like, oh, well, we can't do business with you because uh, I don't even know how you contacted us since you're in prison for attempted murder. I mean, it's really a terrible, terrible problem that the system 
destroys common sense. And now this is happening repeatedly at Airbnb with cases of mistaken identity where Airbnb, like any other company, contracts with these background check companies that seem to think they're playing horseshoes, that close is good enough. And the same issue with the credit bureaus, right? With all the errors they have on credit reports. But this is potentially much more serious if you're denied a job or whatever it is because a background check says you're this terrible person they don't want to do business with. There are also things that if they show up in a background check with Airbnb, according to USA Today, and they're true but minor, you are still banned for life by Airbnb and they have no effective appeal process apparently. This is just silly. And so Airbnb is trying to do this on the cheap, trying to come up with a way of saying, well, see, we did do this, so don't sue us because somebody was an axe murderer in one of our units or whatever. We did the background check. I mean, that's this is all corporate garbage that companies do just to cover their rear ends. And if you're going to do corporate garbage to cover your rear ends, have an effective procedure for people to appeal. And that's all I ask of you, Airbnb. And that's all I ask of any organization is people need a way to clear their name efficiently and effectively because right now, report after report, is that Airbnb does not offer the ability to do that. And so they're getting sued and all that. Now for the other thing, Instead of letting people into a place who shouldn't be let in, they're being sued for keeping people out who absolutely should be able to rent an Airbnb. What do you think's next, Chris? Do you think hotels, before you check in, are going to run background checks and say, you can't have a room at the end? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But I do applaud doing background checks when there have been a lot of assaults on people when you're staying, particularly in a room in someone's place and things like that. So, And you know, over the recent New Year's Eve holiday, Airbnb put in place a strategy to prevent the renting of party houses for New Year's Eve. Right. And hopefully that was very effective around the country because that's been an ongoing problem at Airbnb at Halloween, New Year's Eve, before big football games, all that kind of thing. And it's a problem for the hosts, and it's definitely a problem for the neighbors adjacent to that Airbnb. Well, I have a question, actually, about that here from Lisa in California. You spoke at length about Airbnb. One thing you did not touch on is the risk to the neighbors. The house next door to me is an Airbnb rental. Most of the time, the renters are quiet, but about 30 to 40% of the time, they are not. They have been guests who arrive late and sit on the back patio playing music while talking, yelling, and laughing into the night. One group started playing cornhole at 11.30 p.m. All we heard for the next two hours was thump, thump, thump. One guest fancied himself a DJ and used a microphone to talk over his music. Is there any recourse for the neighbors when the Airbnb guests are unreasonably loud and you never see the owner? We have an HOA, but all they can do in California is require short-term rentals to be 30 days or more. Sleepless in California. So sleepless in California, you just said something very important. If your homeowners association has not adopted the 30-day rule, they need to because it's very rare you're going to have 
people who are perpetual partiers for more than a month. And it is the short-term guests that tend to be the party problems. And I would get vocal and active with your homeowners association. And one thing I don't know under California's home rules, if local communities can ban Airbnbs or add additional restrictions beyond the California law, but that's been the move around the United States is that local communities, uh, cities and counties have put in all kinds of restrictions, bans, registrations, and the rest. And let me make this clear. Airbnb is not an evildoer at all. It's just its very popularity has undermined the platform. And there's a lot of stuff that no one ever could have anticipated that's going wrong with Airbnbs. Most important thing for you to do, Lisa, is get engaged. So that you're no longer sleepless in California, you're getting a great night's sleep in California. I was also going to mention noise ordinances. I know a lot of local communities have that, so depending on... Police officers love enforcing noise ordinances, but yes, that is a viable option if they're being a nuisance, because most communities do have a quiet time after 10 or 11, most often either of those times, and that may be an effective strategy. Jay in Wisconsin says, my wife and I have a couple of home projects that need to be done in the next month in the range of five to $6,000. I was thinking of opening a new credit card with a 0% intro APR to space out the payments over 12 to 18 month period in order to not dip into our emergency funds. I would have no hesitation in doing this except that our family's growing with our third child due in summer and I will need to upgrade my vehicle from a sedan to a third row SUV. I'm concerned that applying for a credit card now will hurt my credit score when I need an auto loan in the next five to six months. What do you recommend I do? A single credit application for a credit card is not going to harm your credit score in any large amount that would harm you in applying for a vehicle loan. When an application for credit is extremely harmful is when you're applying for a mortgage because mortgage companies give you the real stink eye if you apply for any credit six months or less before you're applying for a mortgage. But uh, just a single credit card application for a balance transfer will not have any meaningful impact on the interest rate on that vehicle loan. Dwight in Ohio says, we're planning on going on a cruise this year with my girlfriend. Any suggestions where to look for great deals? So a lot of debate about what this year is going to be like in the cruise industry and there are many many cruise discounters out there i would ask people at work friends colleagues if they're regular cruise people that you know they talk about going on this cruise or that cruise you see them post on social media ask them who they use and many people who cruise regularly will have tried several cruise discounters and they'll have their favorite i use costco travel because even though it's the service is rather minimal, Costco rebates most of the commission that they earn back to the Costco member as a cash card. And so you get a meaningful discount on the cruise. I'm an executive member. I use the Costco credit card. So I end up getting effectively typically 11 to 13% back 
of the cruise fare using Costco travel. But again, it's not one where they're going to say, hey, I got this great deal on this cruise over here. Let me tell you about it. I really like this cruise. I want you to stay in cabin 6240. (laughs) It's got great views. It's got a little bit bigger balcony than other ones. Those are two different markets. Somebody like me who just wants rock gut cheap and someone else who wants a deal and wants good guidance and advice. As far as advice, I'll tell you this, Dwight. If you and your girlfriend don't have kids and you don't have to worry about the school calendar, use the school calendar to your advantage booking a cruise. For example, this month of January is a much lower cost month to go on a cruise than December was. The most expensive times to go right around Christmas, New Year's. Now we're in a lull in January. Uh, September is a fantastic time to go on a cruise. In fact, the fall typically... Summer is very expensive. Why? Kids are out of school. So if you can use the calendar year advantage, if you go look even direct on the websites of the cruise lines and you look, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. If you look at the rates for a cruise in peak times versus what it is in like September, you'll be shocked how much cheaper it is. Coming up next, planes, trains, automobiles. I had to use them all, and that's how I was able to get home, but it took three full days to make it, and I'm going to fill you in what I went through over the holidays and what I experienced in the airports at the car rental counter, just about every phase of travel, and how I pivoted through the circumstance that's coming up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In the days leading up to Christmas, we had the, was it called the bomb cyclone? Some kind of just terrible winter storm that moved steadily across the country, disrupting people's travel. In the days leading up to Christmas, there were massive flight cancellations, all kinds of transportation snarled, people stranded in cars, the horrific effects in upstate New York with dozens of people who died who froze to death on the roads, literally. I mean, it was a tragic, tragic event with loss of life. Uh, For many of us, it was not loss of life. It was loss of time with family or friends or vacations that we had long planned, whatever it was. And things got better as we got steadily closer to Christmas as the storm moved through the eastern part of the United States, having traveled all the way across the country. 
And things returned to pretty much normal for every airline but Southwest. And Southwest had an unbelievable meltdown, the worst I can remember any airline having, and canceled thousands upon thousands upon thousands of flights day after day after day, leaving people stranded. And uh, my wife and I happened to be two of those people. We were in New York City. And we were traveling to Atlanta to be with my wife's family for the Christmas season. So the 22nd of December, our flight was canceled before we went to the airport. And so we just were scrambled and were able to find a flight the next evening. And so booked that. I thought, oh, well, so we'll still be there on the 23rd. Go to the airport, go through security, all that, go to the gate. And we're at the gate, time to board, flight cancels. The the Southwest computer system autoed us to a flight on the 26th of December. So my wife would have missed all the stuff with family. So uh, I went looking around and I found a flight out of Washington National Airport, Reagan Airport. And so I booked Amtrak tickets to go from... New York to Washington on Christmas Eve, and Amtrak was great. It was expensive. I mean, gosh, the Amtrak tickets were expensive last second. It was almost $400 for the two of us in coach on Amtrak, Uh, but the trip was comfortable. It was easy, and we got to Washington's Union Station early. And by the way, if you follow me on Instagram, you got to follow the Instagram story of our misadventures with travel as we uh, navigated the cancellations and all the rest. And so then we took a lift from Union Station to Reagan Airport, go through security. But before we went through security, I got a hint of what was to come. Because at the Southwest ticket counter, so many flights had been canceled that it was, I think it was four degrees outside. It's very cold. The line wound through the terminal and outside. And people were down this long sidewalk out in this nearly zero degree weather. I'm sure with the chill factor is way below that. And so the full meltdown was already underway at Southwest Christmas Eve. So we get to the gate area, we wait. In Southwest, if you're not familiar, you have a boarding pass priority number, A group, then the B group, then the C group. So we're lined up. We had A group numbers. We're lined up in the A group. The pre-boards are getting ready to board. And then on my phone pops up an alert that my flight's canceled. And I go over to get out of line, go over to the gate agent. I said, is it true that the flight's canceled? She said, oh, no, we're about to board. I said, well, I just got this alert, and this person behind me did, too, that the flight was canceled. So she picks up a phone, calls, I don't know who she calls, and then picks up the mic and says that the flight's canceled. So then we're just flat out of luck. We don't even get an auto book to another flight. There's nothing we're going to get. So I go to rent a car, and I feel like, oh, I'm so lucky I found a rental car that I could rent at Reagan and drive to Atlanta. So we go down to the car rental place and get in line. 
come up the counter and the guy says, oh, we're not honoring your reservation. I said, what? Yeah, we're out of cars. We're not honoring your reservation. These are the only people who were waiting around for cars. I said, can I wait like they are? He said, no, we're not honoring anybody's reservations. So (laughs) I was sitting there like, what are we going to do next? And my wife Lane said, well, you know, you always talk about checking flights from all three airports. What about a car somewhere else? So I found a car at Dulles Airport. So we took an Uber to Dulles. That was more than the airplane ticket, I think, would have been. Then we picked up our rental car, which was an incredible bargain. It was from Avis. We paid $148.99, including all junk fees, to be able to pick up a car at Washington Dulles and drop at Atlanta's airport. And uh, that was really, really cheap. And so we drove Christmas Eve night to Durham, North Carolina, stayed at a wonderful hotel I got on Priceline. I got a um, Hilton Garden Inn that was beautiful, right by Duke Medical Center, 99 bucks Priceline. And then we got there at one in the morning, Christmas, what was now Christmas Day morning, got about five hours sleep, got up, drove to Atlanta, and my wife was with her family at three that afternoon. So for us, it was inconvenient, and we were delayed three days, but it was not a disaster like so many people experienced. And there are so many stories about people matching up with people they didn't know and renting cars or vans or whatever and driving. There were people who rented U-Hauls when they couldn't find car rentals, and they drove U-Hauls one way to get to where they were going. And this has been such a deserved reputational harm for Southwest because they didn't have their act together technologically. They don't have a people problem. They had a technology problem. And their reputation will heal, but there are a lot of people whose plans were crushed and they will never get that trip back. They will never get that time with family. It's brutal because you pay that money expecting something in return. A couple of things out of this. One, we used to have a federal law that when an airline canceled a flight, they had to buy you a ticket on another airline. No such requirement exists today. You know, the airlines impose so many stack deck rules on us, and it seems perfectly reasonable out of this and prior other airline meltdowns over the last two years that airlines should be required when they can operate a flight to buy you transportation on someone else. That to me is a very simple change that just requires the political will to overcome the lobbying power of the nation's airlines. A lot of people were stuck, stranded, and because it's the holidays, they may not have been able to find a flight on someone else, but even if they could, they probably couldn't have afforded it. So that's number one. Number two, when you're in a situation that is messy, you've got to be creative. One thing you don't do is stand in one of those long lines. See what you can do on your phone. If you don't have the app for an airline, download the app. See what other arrangements you can make. Some airlines and some airports have terminals you can go when your flight's canceled, and it's like putting you to the front of the line rebooking. If you have ultra-high status with an airline, 
you have a number that will get you to the front of the phone queue and it's worth trying calling that number. But if you're a member of the general public calling the regular reservation number, you're going to be on that phone hours if your call's ever answered. So you want to do things that are active, not passive, to try to solve the problem. And when you do talk with someone in an airline, never, never, never throw attitude at them. They're miserable too. They didn't cause the problem, their employer did. And you get so much more with honey than with vinegar. So remember, kindness pays even in a situation when you're out of patience. And if you saw all those pictures of all those bags strewn everywhere around the United States, it's one of those things, my season always comes in. I'm out of season most of the time, but eventually my season comes around again, which is that you never, 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 not ever check a bag. If you can't take your trip with what fits in one carry-on bag, you're taking too much stuff. As for compensation, Southwest is reimbursing you for the other costs you had. They define them as reasonable with no definition. File a claim with Southwest at southwest.com if you're one of the affected passengers. Um, Our claim turned out to be $980 approximately for a car rental, extra hotel, train ride, uh, all the other expenses we had with getting ultimately from New York to Atlanta on subways, buses, trains, no planes (laughs) ever, and so you, you file for those expenses. And then, of course, Southwest is giving the frequent flyer miles per flight canceled. So I got it times three. I got what works out to $900 in travel in free vouchers. And so that is money that I will be able to put to use. But this was bad, ugly. It is inexcusable. And there should be consequences for an airline that doesn't have its act together. But the most important thing to me is what's referred to in the old rule book as Rule 240, that when one airline melts down, the logical consequence is they've got to buy you a ticket on someone else right then and there to get you to your destination as quickly as possible compared to when you were originally supposed to get somewhere. Krista? This is from Baxter in Texas. Uh, Baxter says, I have not filed taxes since 2009, and I need help to get current. Should I use a national service, a local attorney, or just turn myself in? Okay, so first of all, I congratulate you, Baxter, for coming forward. It's likely if you've worked at jobs where money was withheld from you, You may have many tax years over the 13 that will turn out to be lucky, not unlucky, that you've had enough withheld that you owe no unpaid tax for those years. As far as what kind of professional you go to, depending on your level of income, if you had a pretty substantial income over those 13 years, you want to go to a specialized kind of lawyer known as a tax attorney. They do this kind of work. They represent you, and they'll deal with the IRS for you. They bill a pretty high hourly rate. 
On the other hand, if you are a more moderate or modest income earner, you want to find what's known as an enrolled agent. An enrolled agent is a tax professional who is registered with the IRS and they are very schooled in how to deal with uh, unfiled tax returns and help you through the process. Know that this over time, you probably feel, Baxter, more weight from it. You will find that weight lifted as you deal with the services of a professional. Big mistake to just go to the IRS and say, I did this, what do I do? No, you go to a professional, again, an enrolled agent or a tax attorney, depending, again, on you were a big income earner, more modest income earner. Hannah in Oregon says, my husband is currently investing 10% of his income into his 401k. His work retirement plan is owned by an insurance company and is now being sold to another insurance company. Yuck. How does this affect the custodial administrative fees? I hear that insurance companies' involvement is never good. Would we be better off investing in an IRA at Fidelity after the match, of course, instead of with his 401k? So I'm guessing, I'm hoping, Hannah, that your husband works for a small employer because it is terrible for the owners of that business And it's terrible for their employees to have a 401k administered by an insurance company. They have ultra high costs. They may have commissions baked into it. And it brutalizes the hard work your husband has done setting aside all this money towards retirement and have so much of it eaten alive. It's an ugly scene in all the junk fees, fees and commissions that are charged in insurance company administered 401ks. Is there an exception? There may be. I've never seen one. So your idea is completely right. Your husband should only contribute to that 401k up to the company match. And then all other investing for retirement should be done through the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA allows money to grow. You don't get its current tax deduction, but money grows tax-free. It's spent tax-free in retirement. And your husband can do a great job if he just goes to Fidelity and goes in their index-based target retirement fund for the the Roth IRA or Vanguard in their target retirement fund appropriate to your husband's age and expected retirement goal. I mean, either of those very, very large fund companies would be a great spot for your husband to do his Roth IRA. And anytime I hear that somebody has a 401k administered by an insurance company, I feel really bad for them. And most often, the boss doesn't know any better. The boss ended up going with it because they didn't know how to set one up. And they ended up with these atrociously awful 401ks. And M in Colorado says, hi, Clark, I have about $50,000 in my checking, also my emergency fund. 
earning 31 cents a month in interest. <laughs> is there a safe place to put this emergency fund that grows more? I looked online, but these are banks I've never heard of. I know you don't like big mega banks, but I don't know about little banks either. And also and mentioned that the Amex has a high yield savings account. Yeah. So the giant monster mega banks are a place that you never, ever, not ever, never want your rainy day account at. Never. That is a solid never rule. There are no exceptions I've ever found. So what you want to do is a safe place to go is bankrate.com. They do a list of the best savings rates in the country every day. You can see that list. Those will be online banks. And every one of them there offers FDIC insurance up to $250,000. Your money is safe, safe, safe. And instead of earning 0% almost that your bank is paying at the big bad bank, the giant monster mega bank, you will now earn 25 3%, somewhere in that range, which is not exactly great money to earn, but obviously better than the giant monster mega banks pay. So feel comfortable doing that. We have a simplified guide that explains how to do this, setting up one of these side accounts for your savings. You link them back to the account you have with the giant monster mega bank. You can move money back and forth, typically two days. It's free to move the money back and forth as you need it. And you can have complete peace of mind as long as you're in a legit, real FDIC insured bank. If you're ever worried that it's not FDIC, it's not the real thing, go to FDIC.gov. They've got a tool there where you can verify that one of those online banks actually is the real deal with FDIC insurance. So I want to thank you so much for joining us. And if you've got a money question, know that we're here to serve you all through 23. If you want one-on-one guidance, information, we've got it for you. A free service of our show for 30 years. Official anniversary, February 1st, will be a full 30 years. All you got to do to get one-on-one advice for free, 636-492-5275 or 636-49-CLARK works as well.